to Wellbeing Wednesdays. I am your host, Courtney Weaver. I'm the director over at WellWU here at West Virginia University in Morgantown, West Virginia. Lots of West Virginias in there. Um, with me today is Dr. Matthew Richardson. He is the director for the Center for Fraternal Values and Leadership, uh, which is the new name for the Office of Fraternity and Sorority Life. So it's the Center for Fraternal Values and Leadership now, so get the name right. You uh, did a really good job with that, Courtney. Good job. And, you know, I really try. Uh, so, Matthew, why don't you explain to all of our avid listeners your role at the university? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I've been listening to your podcast, and uh, I feel really honored that I get to be a part of it. So. Oh. Oh, thanks. I think you're the one of the 12 people who listen. So no, <laughs> well, yeah. well uh, that's a, a, a space and a, a badge of honor for me. So, um, so I've been here since uh, the fall of 2017 uh, when I took over as the director of Greek Life. We've had a number of name changes. We went from Greek Life to Fraternity and Sorority Life, and now the Center for Fraternal Values and Leadership. Um, and I think that the name really reflects uh, a lot of the things that we've done over the past. Uh, uh, three years, uh, going on four years with our, with, in terms of academic years. Um, you know, we have grown exponentially. We've had uh, fraternities uh, and sororities join us. Uh, we've had groups, uh, unfortunately, leave us. Um, but we now oversee 70-plus organizations on campus. And uh, it's just, it goes beyond just the general social fraternity. We also oversee the academic, the service, the professional, the honorary, uh, and special interest groups as well uh, on campus. And people often ask me, they say, well, what's a special interest fraternity? And I think the best example of that would be, you know, Epsilon Tau Pi, which is uh, an Eagle Scout fraternity, a fraternity for, for men who reach Eagle Scouts. So uh, we have an active chapter of them on our campus and they do some great things. Um, so, so we've done a lot of really, really neat things and, and have seen our sort of student portfolio expand beyond traditional Greek life uh, that you would think about on a typical college campus. Okay. And now for the social for fraternities and sororities, there are four councils that there. <laughs> well, there's three governing councils for our, our, our more the general organizations. We have the Interfraternity Council, the Panhellenic Association, and then the National Panhellenic Council, uh, which is representative of our historically black fraternities uh, and sororities. And they identify probably more as service social organizations, uh, more so than the general uh, organizations. So, um, you know, I, I think that there's a... Uh, their, their differences make them unique and they, they speak to a lot of, and, and I'm not just speaking of NPHC, but all of our councils. We also have the Professional Greek Council and we're having a Multicultural Greek Council. The differences between them should be celebrated and, and they really attract different kinds of students who want to go Greek for various reasons. Okay. I was in a professional fraternity in undergrad, Psychi, which is the psychology one. And then yeah. when I was in graduate <laughs> school, we actually... They actually made one up uh, because there wasn't, oddly enough, there wasn't a national sexuality, uh, like business kind of fraternity. So now it's Gamma at a row. I don't know if that's even real, but it's real at Widener University. So no, absolutely. I, that's that's fantastic, and and actually that's where all of our groups find their history. Is a lot of times there's not a space for people that that want to have a particular space. Um, I think that with uh, traditionally white organizations, I think it's a little bit that 
is a little more romanticized, I think, for, for them. But, um, you know, there's a lot of organizations now that exist uh, that represent all diff- the whole spectrum of identities, and that's important. And so, um, but that's, it's very much, if it's real to you, Courtney, it's real to me <laughs> everybody else. I got to wear cords in my graduation. That's what made it real. There we go. <laughs> that's the sign. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, fraternity and sorority life and COVID because COVID is all over our lives. I mean, not just the news. What is it? I don't. I don't think I've ever oh, heard. Oh, you haven't heard? About? It's it's a pandemic, and it's you know. <laughs> That's not. It's actually not funny to to be laughing about, but um, no. I mean, you're absolutely right. It it, it has completely absorbed life, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that we're going to be referring to life as pre-COVID and post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully post COVID happens soon because, you know, obviously a lot of people are, are suffering and, and uh, lives are being lost, but um, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Greek life always seems, and, and I always say this, you know, Greek life always seems to find its way in the headlines, you know, even in yeah. the pandemic. So. Yeah. So, I mean, we, it is important for us to acknowledge that COVID is kind of running rampant in fraternity houses nationally. And I I think in a way, I don't want to say it makes sense, but it kind of is a foregone conclusion in that sense because of the way fraternity houses are set up just because there are a lot of folks in very small spaces that are sharing, you know, their daily lives. Um, But why else do you think that this is the case? Yeah, to your point, I think, you know, first acknowledging that every physical structure, uh, fraternity house or sorority house, uh, is different. In some uh, houses, it's more apartment style where there's single rooms, there's single bathrooms. Um, Some have their own sort of little kitchen suite. Uh, In others, it's more of a traditional residence hall style. There's, There's more than one person residing in one space. Um, they're shared bathrooms. They're not able to access the kitchen because the kitchen is run by the organization chef who's there on certain hours and, and that's, you know, outsourced to a third party. So um, I think obviously situationally that that it spreads in a similar way um, than sort of anything else that's that's similar to it. But I also think if you look at the, the news articles uh, that have been out with, um, you know, all these campuses uh, across the country, uh, I, I think, unfortunately, it's tied to the social scene. It's tied to this notion um, of we want a sense of normalcy and, and our, our normal is focused on social. Uh, and I think that that outlook is, is contributing to um, people continuing to get sick. And it's a very, very scary outlook. You know, what was fascinating to me when I think about our students here at WVU and the sort of, uh, the sort of trajectory they have been on when it comes to COVID, right before spring break, this comes out there's this notion of, well, it's not really that big of a deal. It doesn't affect people our age. Some of us are still going to go on spring break. And a number of them still did go on spring break. When they got back and they realized they weren't necessarily returning to campus, I think there was a general sense of, boy, we probably shouldn't have gone on spring break. Um, And and you started to see students really buying into the stay at home, uh, uh, you know, um, idea and, and, and really lived by it. And then I think, as most things have in this country, things started to get political. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't no longer, you know, let's stay at home for the benefit of other people. It was, 
you know, we need to be focused on reopening the economy and all these things. And again, there's valid arguments on both sides. And, and this is no longer just about WVU students. I think it's, it's nationwide. Um, but I'm disheartened because I do think that there's a sense of, uh, you know, wearing masks is, is impeding on individual freedom and all these things. And I think that these ideas are trickling their way down and we're starting to see um, you know, the, the, the sort of same actors come out against colleges and universities as these liberal havens and, you know, they're having rules to restrict and do this and do that and not allow you to have your fundamental uh, you know, rights in certain, uh, certain instances. And, and so we're starting to see pushback on that. And so I think that manifests itself with the fraternities as, you know, we're going to party, we're going to have people over and we frankly don't care. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm very hopeful that that attitude is not going to bring its way to Morgantown. Um, but you know, as I think about, and I think of my peers who are the Greek advisors at those schools, you know, my heart goes out to them because they are in between a rock and a hard place. How do you effectively manage student behavior off campus, um, or even on campus for a community that's very large and united in a, in a certain belief that right or wrong means something to them. So it's a big challenge. Yeah. So what are the steps that we're taking here at WVU to maybe combat some of what you were just talking about? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the benefits we have that we as Mountaineers really believe in um, are the Mountaineer values. You know, when I think about curiosity, respect, appreciation, accountability, um, uh, you know, in service, you know, looking at community expectations. Um, I'm hopeful that our students really buy into that idea and they understand that in order to get to a sense of normalcy, we have to acknowledge that we are not in a space of normal. Uh, and so we're going to have to curtail some of our behaviors uh, as we move forward. I will tell you that the conversations I've been having with our students, general students, student leaders, is not so much how do we get around rules so that we can party, it's more how do we manage this, our, our reality that we're living in a fraternity house that has 31 bed spaces and so we have 31 people. So we're already over the 25, you know, capacity um, and, and seeking clarification on that, right? Because what they're, what they're trying to do is not get around the rules, but it's, it's more of if we're outside and there's 31 of us and we all live there, is that going to be perceived as a gathering that violates rules? And then, you know, obviously having to have dialogue with, with local law enforcement, um, you know, so I'm very heartened by those conversations because uh, it's not a, we're going to do what we want and we don't care what you have to say. It's more of a, we really want to navigate this appropriately to keep our members safe. And there's also been a lot of conversations of, what is the guidance? What do we do if somebody falls ill, gets sick, regardless whether it was his or her choice to go out or whatever? How do we support uh, our member and make sure that they're following institutional protocols to ensure they're, that they're getting the help that they need? Right. So really you're talking about like peer accountability in that regard. So like what in general, what does peer accountability mean in the Greek system? And then what does it mean in relation to COVID? <laughs> Yeah, we, we, you know, we always say that we are our brother or sister's keeper. Um, so I guess a, a more general, we are a sibling's keeper. Um, and it's something that I, I think I, I've really tried to emphasize while being here, you know, understanding that people are still individuals and those individual, um, the things that make a person individual matter. Um, however, when you join an organization that's values-based, that centers around the interpersonal, 
uh, piece of, 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 you know, uh, human bonding, you have to watch out for one another. And part of that in the, in the Greek world is understanding that sometimes that means holding members accountable, which may not be popular, but it's the right thing to do. To a certain extent, a friend would let you do what you want to do because you want to do it. But a brother or a sister uh, would not let you do what you want to do if it's not right for you, regardless whether you want to do it or not, because they know that at the end of the day, you're family and the grudge you're about to hold is going to expire eventually. Uh, <laughs> we hope so. Right. Uh, and I think that that inherently as an infrastructure helps us with that peer accountability. So what I'm hoping for the Greeks is that we can continue to have uh, that sort of um, rapport with one another and that my, my staff, um, myself included, can continue to coach our students through those sort of processes. And then I hope that the Greeks being the leaders that they say they are and that we know that they are, um, that they can role model that behavior for their non-affiliated uh, classmates and that they can say, okay, wow, well, look, here's what the fraternities and the sororities are doing. I really think if they can do it, we absolutely can do it as well. And so I'm hoping that that sort of manifests itself into understanding um, a, a new identity as residents of Morgantown um, on top of just being WVU students and holding that very seriously and worrying about your neighbor. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that also speaks to the idea of community responsibility, which has really been a hot topic at the university level, like for all of our return to campus conversations. Right. Uh, and so what does this mean in the Greek system? Well, I mean, I, I, I think we'd all be remiss if we if, if you're watching Governor Justice's, you know, updates when he talks about, you know, there's new restrictions for Mon County specifically. I, I think that in response to an influx of students coming from other places, I think it was pretty forward and direct uh, with that. Um, and I don't see that as as problematic. I think it's I think it's realistic. Um, and I also think that it's a uh, a challenge for our students to understand whether you're from West Virginia or not, you call this place home. Um, and so you have a responsibility of, of, you know, ensuring that other West Virginians um, and your community members, uh, Morgantowners or whomever, uh, are, are going to, to maintain their safety. And so we've been working behind the scenes uh, very diligently with, with you know, the, the area uh, economic partnership to say, hey, is there times where stores can open uniquely for students? Um, is there times just like they do for, for, for older West Virginians? Um, we've been very intentional uh, to be promoting all of the, the, the mandates that, that have come down, but really encourage outdoors dining and seating and, and, and you know, those sort of uh, the aspects of, of socialization as well. Um, so I think that we've been doing a lot of work to encourage community identity. Uh, and I just hope that when our students come, come back, they realize the work that's been done on, on the back end for them to be the key players on the front end. Yeah. Those are excellent points. Well, normally at the end of our show, we like to do like a little well-being snapshot, but I feel the past couple episodes, the whole, the topics have been very COVID related. And I feel like the whole episode is that snapshot because one day we will stop having to talk so much about what COVID-19 and, and the effects that it's having across the nation, not just here in West Virginia, but uh, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I'll just say this if I can, Courtney, you know, uh, 
I would encourage everyone to not allow COVID to blind us to the other issues that are facing um, us here in, in America and around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll speak specifically to, um, you know, Greek life, where we have a lot of work to do when it comes to inclusive excellence, um, race and racism and anti-racism work. Uh, there's a lot of things that we um, are to be focused on, and it's appropriate that we're focused on COVID and, and, and working through that. Um, but, I, you know, as, as a lifelong member of my fraternity, you know, it, it's up to all of us to make sure that we're keeping those conversations going um, so that we, when we get to, a, it's always the space. We're always in a space where we can talk about these things. We can talk about why Black Lives Matter. We can talk about um, why we need to be more inclusive and, and how we, we change member attitudes towards that. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, but, you know, obviously we're going we're gonna to maintain and, and prioritize and make sure that our students and our members uh, remain safe. And the best way to do that is to wear a mask. And so I am. And wash your hands. And wash your hands. Wash your hands, wear a mask. There's a lot of really, I was just searching on Amazon. There's a lot of really neat masks out there that I'm going to be ordering uh, for when I return to the office. And, and so I'll have a fashion statement made because uh, not only does it save lives, but you can look good doing so as well. So, and that's yeah, a, I, lot of, a lot of things. Yeah, I've really been enjoying buying masks. I got one that has Sophia Patrillo from the Golden Girls on oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Picture it. Picture yeah. it for <laughs> 2020. So. <laughs> I would like to get one of uh, of Rose and just any of her sort of. She's always been my favorite Golden Girl. So. Yeah, she's a good one. I love the white. We got to make sure Betty White's safe in 2022. That's another yeah. one. That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Matthew, for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, And to all of our listeners out there, we hope to catch you next time on Wellbeing Wednesdays.